Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. And I'm so happy to have with me a very special guest in the studio. But before I get to him, let's get to today's recommendation. So uh, for today's recommendation, I'll recommend the podcast, The Mundane Festival. Episode 549, Aubrey Jean Lambert. So that's a podcast from Chris Lambert and Aubrey Jean Lambert is his dad. I don't know, does he say Jean or Jean? But it's Aubrey is the first name. And his dad passed away um, December 2021. And Chris Lambert is a guy who he's an actor, he's a comedian, and he's in the tri-state area. And I hope to catch one of his comedy shows one day. But we, we have, uh, you know, he always responds when I, you know, give him a shout out on social media. But he's he's a cool gentleman who I just love his take on movies and um, and uh, you know and, and life in general. He's a funny guy, you know. But this episode, why I'm recommending it is because, you know, he had a great relationship with his father, and after his dad passed away. Um, he knew his, the death was coming, but, uh, well, he knew his dad was sick. Let me, not, let me put it that way. And he talks about, you know, all that, the relationship. And um, he had recorded an episode with his father before, uh, a few years ago. And you get to hear his father's voice one last time. And it's very emotional. It's very, but it's funny. It's funny because, you know, he's a funny guy. And you see where he, he got some of the funny from, you know, and having himself and his dad talk about shows that he liked, talk about movies that he liked. I think it was from 2015 or 16 that he recorded the episode. So it, it, it's also a recap, but it's just beautiful seeing someone celebrate their relationship with their father. Uh, for most of you who've known me, you know that I never had a relationship with my dad. And um, that doesn't mean I don't recognize or respect or enjoy seeing people who have a relationship or who had a relationship with their parents and I learned from all that and I hope that um, anyone who checks out this episode will be able to learn something from that. So with that being said, let's jump to today's special guest. I have the honor of having Ashwin Gopi. That's right. All right. Okay. Yeah, I must have forgot again. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's a, a dad. Uh -huh. He's a husband. Mm -hmm. He's a teacher, a Brooklyn Knight. He's also a PSP parent. Yep. He's an entrepreneur. Uh huh. Uh, Dravidian. I'm a Dravidian. I should have asked you about that, about that word. I forgot because I, I said I was going to look up how to pronounce it and then I forgot. Yeah, yeah. He's the co founder of Rice Products, mm -hmm. a green startup that converts byproducts from the beverage industry into food. And he also teaches at NYU and the New School, helping mm -hmm. students turn science into technology. So we got a lot of wisdom in here. We got a lot of fun stuff we're going to be going through. And yeah, so let's dive in. Welcome to the show. Hey, How are you doing today? I'm doing great, dude. I just spent the last six weeks in South America in paradise. 
And now I'm back in Brooklyn and I love it. It's cold. It's my skin is super dry. Oh, man. It's all ashy. But uh, you know, it's like I love it here. I just love it here. Hey, I, I wish I was in South America uh-huh. too. I don't know if I'll be back, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I was in South America. It's summer in the Southern Hemisphere right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh-huh. That's true. So, um, let, let, let's see. Where, where will I begin? All right, your names. Let's start yeah, with your let's names. Let's start with that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, give us the, the meaning of your names. Oh, okay. Yeah, awesome. So, it's weird because you're right. I am Dravidian, right, which is South Indian. Mm. Um, however, my name is Sanskrit, which is an Indo-European language, which means somewhere in the past, my ancestors have been doing some sort of like intellectual hanky-panky with the, <laughs> with the northerners. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I have a Sanskrit name. So, um, Ashwin means horse possessor. Horse? So, yeah, horse possessor, someone oh. who has horses, like a cowboy or a rancher okay. or something, or more like a like a... A knight, someone who fights on horseback. So okay. someone who's rich enough to like own horses and use it to like fight on the back of. So uh, even in like Latvian or Lithuanian, the word Ashwa means horse, even ah. today. And so it's an Indo-European language. So Ashwin is like off the horse or horsed person, you know, so like a cowboy, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Gopi, on the other hand, means uh, someone who takes care of cows. Okay. Um, so my name is, as I say in Spanish, my name is Caballero Ranchero, <laughs> which means like what are like a horseman cowboy. Uh, so that's my name, you know. Like it, it represents who we were as ancestors. It also represents a religious sub-religious group mm. within Hinduism. It, um, the word Gautam means um, light and dark, like duality. Okay. Um, so the name together, all together, it, it, it could refer to many different things depending on how you interpret it. So it could mean like literally like, as I said, like a farmer's name. It could yes. also mean something like uh, like a crusader oh. or a holy knight um, and things like that. So there are, it can like, yeah, refer to different things. Specifically, it refers to those who worship Krishna, you know, yeah. the, the Hindu god, mm-hmm. that guy. Um, so, you know, that's what it means. And so basically... My my grandparents, my two set of grandparents couldn't decide whether to name me Ashwin or Gautam, so they decided, fuck it, let's give them both. You know, let him deal with let him deal hey. with explaining that to USCIS. <laughs> oh, that's not my middle name. That's the second half of my first name. Oh man, USCIS is like no no no. Your initial is G, right? Like, uh. No. <laughs> don't have one yeah I, I, I can uh-huh. see that. Happen. Yeah, they didn't think about that. Actually, my name is not even Gopi. Your last name? My, it's not, if you check my birth certificate, my yeah. name is not Gopi. There is no Gopi. It's never mentioned. What? The very first time the word Gopi appears mm-hmm. is on my application form for my, uh, my, the first school I went to when I was like four or five, right? That's so, the first time the word Gopi appears. So my dad's name is Raj Gopi. So just like how my name is Ashwin Gautam, yeah. his name is Raj Gopi. His father's name was Krishnamurti. Which is one word, you know. Mm. Uh, so they named me Ashwin Gautam, you know, according to our tradition. However, because uh, I grew up in Bombay instead of Chennai, where you know my family is from, there they have this Western way of 
naming people with first name and last name oh. so they broke my dad's name up into two pieces and then gave me the second half and so gopi is not even my name wow you know my i have a title though you know oh yeah what's your title my title i have a title it, it's we don't use it it's it's modalyar what modalyar what's that modalyar means the first men oh yeah and I, we can talk about the, where it comes from and stuff like that but it's, yeah, it's I'm a fi- yeah i'm intrigued <laughs> i'm intrigued it's a family tale so my 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 grandfather's name was krishnamurthy modalyar mm. my father's name would be rajgopi modalyar my my name would be ashwin gautam modalyar oh. but about like a couple of generations ago we decided to drop our caste names move oh. into the cities yeah uh, leave all that kind of life behind and and become professionals in in an urban environment so we adopted this like last name naming oh. scheme okay so and so the name gopi was thrust yeah so mm-hmm. if you had gone by modalia yeah that would be my title in, in the my caste system yeah yeah exactly okay. my name would have been ashwin gautam modalia and people would call me the modalier or you know they who like who are you talking about oh the modalier guy or oh, that guy you oh. know so that would be like who i am and who i become and how you are classified wow. and so when people left uh their native lands and moved into cities mm-hmm. they kind of left a lot of those things behind some people brought it with them some people left it behind and yeah. they kind of reinvented themselves as just urban people Yeah that that mm-hmm. was something that I never realized mm-hmm. until I saw Hasan Minaj mm-hmm. um episode that covered that talked about the caste mm-hmm. um system mm-hmm. and how even asking someone from um the subcontinent mm-hmm. where, where you from can mm-hmm. be uh it will be problematic because it, it's oh. like revealing it's the, it's more know. than that it's confusing because technically I'm Tamil that's yeah. who I am within the Dravidian population i'm specifically tamil so except the, the yeah. people found in sri lanka today people who are in sri lanka and yeah. in southern india southern you know india. in, in well, we I'm have used a, to tamil from sri lanka we have our own state it's called tamil nadu nadu means country so just the oh the okay. country of tamil people i'm learning and then i figured out that when i was like 14 or 15 that i'm actually not even tamil what i'm tulu and <laughs> I'm something called Tulu hey. specifically hey. we are Tulu Velalars which he's, means easy on the shocks man <laughs> I don't know how many I can take Yeah yeah I'm not even Tamil <laughs> and that was so shocking to me like 1600 years ago my family apparently moved well not moved they conquered the northern part of Tamil Nadu settled down and became Tamil Wow Yeah Yeah so they so that makes you think like who really got conquered Yeah right we that, came that, 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 that's the cool that, I was just about to ask cuz that's not what I'm that's not what used happened. to that yeah. someone conquered an area and then like you know what who still adapt to yeah. their system their style or the you know, yeah. their identity and take, No just the language everything just the language else, yeah. okay Yeah yeah uh, wow. language and, yeah Okay uh yeah wow it's really weird how that happened you know Yeah my like 1600 years ago there was this king He sent his younger brother. He said, "Go conquer this piece of land for me." Mm-hmm. And the guy said, "Okay, fine." And he decided to raise an army. So he went around collecting all the second sons of all the farmers, mm-hmm. and he formed an army of second sons. And in order to conquer this part of this land, they had to um, go through a forest, and the forest was defended by people who live in the forest. Um, and so. my ancestors who were experts in agriculture and irrigation yeah so 
guess how they decided to beat them because the people who lived in the forest the tribal people they were expert gorilla fighters they would hide in trees they would you know shoot you with arrows kill you and run away which don't sound surprising and so th- my ancestors decided to solve that problem by cutting down the forest as they went oh man you destroy the forest you displace people mm-hmm. uh you build a road you can use technology to defeat people is something that you know we learned very quickly we had horses yeah and iron oh and so because of that okay. we totally could defeat that, yeah, that gorilla all. fighters who were more skilled fighters yeah. but we just had more technological infrastructure to cut down the forest destroy the forest push people those people the kurumbas even today you know are marginalized people they the defeat from there pushed them deeper into the forests and they could never reintegrate into society because people like my ancestors excluded them you know as enemies wow. from uh, participating in civilization so by building roads and farms you can yeah. now move armies back and forth mm-hmm. you can you can bring more people you can bring families and so they conquered this the northern part of tamil nadu and you know they became vassals so they became lords yeah. of that area so they were given pieces of land to and people to like you know to cultivate and pay taxes and stuff like that and um my specifically my ancestor was someone called payur 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 and so we are within tuluvelalars we are specifically of the payur kutum which means the crowd the payur crowd we are descendants oh. of this one warrior oh. um um maybe legitimate maybe legitimate who knows you know but <laughs> so that kind of continued all the way up to like two three generations ago in fact so wow. it survived for a thousand years or more the system in that we worked in and so my family we were always in agriculture food um some of my ancestors my grandma is a nutritionist a scientist her, her husband was also he 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 was like even more direct descendant of a specific prince and uh, he was an agricultural geneticist wow. so we all worked in the food and in- i work in the food industry yeah, now, you know it's, it's, like a, it's a genetic <laughs> <laughs> it's a wow. heritage you know wow this is, to work this is beautiful people. you know that's why i love doing this this podcast cuz yeah. you you don't know what each person will bring to the table <laughs> and you know it's so it's beautiful just from asking about meaning of your names uh-huh. and look at the whole history lesson yeah. that I've got him and yeah that's a part of um India the subcontinent of India that I I I'm not really familiar with mm-hmm. I think it's mostly northern India that I mm-hmm. I know a lot of uh, they are like I, the I cultural yeah. hegemony yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um you've already mentioned a little bit about this place but introduce us to your place of birth and what childhood was like for you Yeah so I was born in Chennai you know Chennai is a small southern city I call it small it's got a huge population um in the it's in the east coast the southeast of India and it's kind of like an artificial city you know it uh, it used to be a fishing village that had deep ports and so the british decided to build ports and then offices and customs buildings and stuff like that and brought a lot of administration up to the point where it ended up being like a seat of power for the entire southern indian region you know during the british rule yeah. however it does have an ancient history as well it was also a religious center and it has one of the unique 
honors of being one of the places where one of the apostles of Christ is buried. So really? yeah, I know it's, okay. we- it's I wasn't really expecting weird. that. It's really weird. So um St. Thomas, doubting Thomas, yeah. the guy who puts his finger inside Jesus Christ's body because mm-hmm. he doesn't believe mm-hmm. that Jesus is alive. So he was sent east to spread the word of Christ. So he wow. went to Syria first. Yeah. And from Syria he got on a ship on an ancient trading route to come to southern India. and he he landed in the western part of india where at that time already there was a jewish population so oh. he told the he converted the jewish population there to not all of them some of them into early christians mm-hmm. a very 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 early form of christianity this is right from yeah. even today they call themselves syrian christians oh yeah. so they still go by syrian they still christians. go by syrian christians wow. so because they were converted by you know originally by uh, st thomas yeah. and st thomas then moved east and he goes around he and there's like a history of him like going through india converting people so along the path of his travel you can still find old churches and small uh, christian and jewish communities oh. um okay until he landed in in my city where there was you know kind of like a cultural religious capital and apparently he met with religious leaders there however at some point he seems to have been assassinated oh. by by spear by being speared mm. and shot by arrow so there's it's it's we don't know who did it you know they say that it was done by the tribal people in the hills it could have been a well, political it's, it's assassination it's easy to blame them it's easy to blame them when you exclude <laughs> them from society Pro- could have been a political assassination you yeah, know maybe I, he was threatening I, the order of I, I go with that and so he is buried on top of a hill um and also part of him is buried in a church nearby by the beach uh, so there is a mountain there's a small hill called st thomas mount that stands even today there and if you go on top you can see some of his remains some of his remains were exhumed and taken back to syria oh. in like about, i don't know when like a few uh-huh. hundred years ago by a merchant and so so part of him is in syria part of him is in our city so that's our city you know um oh. it's huge we are b- very big in like automobile manufacturing and uh, it services okay some of the biggest employers so there are a lot of korean people in my city there it's a it's a cosmopolitan city ish you know it's not it's not cosmopolitan really but i have met people from all over the world in my city uh, it's known for a lot of things music art it's got its own unique culture Uh, however i need to clarify that i w- i was born there but i was not i didn't grow up there okay the first 7 years of my life we lived in bombay a much bigger much more cosmopolitan mini new york of a city in india and there we lived on top of a hill in a ga- in a small gated apartment community where i had kind of like for the first 7 years kind of like an idyllic childhood where me and my friends we would play and um there are a few of us who would venture you know be, so bombay was still expanding at that time you know yeah. constant urbanization however at this part we were at the edge of one of the neighborhoods and behind our house was just woods just woods yeah. and so we would go into these woods and we would explore them so we've had a lot of encounters with things like foxes and rabbits and deer you know sometimes okay. we would have even we we heard that there could be a leopard around um you know leopards snakes a lot of snakes yeah um snakes you know, over yeah. there is like yeah you guys got a lot of snakes yeah you got snakes yeah there's someone who I follow on Instagram uh, mm-hmm. I have my phone on me mm-hmm. 
I can't pronounce his name, but that guy is like he's, he's like a snake whisperer, <laughs> and I love the work that he does because um, every time in the villages there's a snake that pops up, people mm-hmm. just they just call him like uh-huh. hey, come, yeah come. yeah yeah. You gotta get them I by love, the tail. Yeah, I just love that he shows up, grabs the snake, <laughs> and I'm like wow. And he he actually every, every time he makes a post, he's uh-huh. giving you um, a, a lecture of. Um, how this snake is not actually dangerous. Yeah. I think it's Su- Surya, I can't pronounce that. Yeah, Surya. Surya, Surya Kitty. Kitty, yeah. Mm-hmm. A guy does a lot of wonderful work. He also saves other animals. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've given him some praise. Like, yeah. man, you, you, you do amazing <laughs> That's work. respectful because all I was used to was looking at people killing snakes. Oh, yeah, that, that, that was a very traumatic in, in thing Nigeria for me. Too, that yeah. was... Uh, yeah, that's what I was used to. Too. Yeah, um, even myself, I've killed a few as a, oh, as a kid. Yeah, because yeah. it, it came with the, the religious yeah, yeah. angle too. For uh-huh. for us being Christians, oh, yeah. well, I was conservative Catholic, but uh-huh. um, well, Catholic Catholicism is considered Christian Christianity in Nigeria. Yes, it and, is. Yeah. Um, you know, the, you get that story of uh, snakes. The snakes mm-hmm. must be the enemy of man. Mm-hmm. So. If you see a snake, you gotta kill it. It's either it kills you or you kill it. Yeah, yeah. Now you, you, it was later on that you get to find out that oh, not every snake was. It's dangerous. Uh, it was dangerous. Yeah, yeah but that's an intellectual position. I think <laughs> if you go by your instinct, like human biological mammalian instinct, <laughs> you know, the it's, if I see a snake, I am running or killing it too. Yeah, I, run, I, yeah. I ain't thinking. You know, I, yeah. I'm not thinking at that point. <laughs> I mean, but and if, you, if really you've been telling the child, you know, you got to kill it. Uh, you know, you I see mean, all the older people in the house. That's what religion is. Religion uh, is about not thinking. It's acting. You that's know? It. It's about belief. <laughs> so you bypass that process. Ah. So, you know, I had a very, like, idyllic childhood. You know, mm-hmm. we would, like, I would do things that now that I think about it, I cannot imagine letting my child do that. Like, four, or five-year-old ki- children, like, miles away from home. In the middle of nowhere, <laughs> in a forest. You know what we would do? We would climb on like water pipes and walk on the water pipes yeah. and cross ravines. Mm-hmm. We would get like I could have died so many times. I could have been kidnapped. And I was a I was a good looking kid too. Yeah. You know? <sighs> so <laughs> I could have totally got my ass kidnapped. And we could have got lost. We could have fallen into a ravine. A wild animal could have attacked us. I have no idea how our parents just let us go. They had no idea. They had no idea. They but, thought... But they I, thought I think oh, there was a sense of safety yeah, for us was, back then. Because uh-huh, um, I think when I was around six, seven, eight, mm-hmm. yeah, we used to uh, play uh, reenacting war movies. was yeah, quite yeah. popular for uh-huh. the boys. And... I jumped over a seven-story building. Oh my! From God. one building to another, because we were pushing yeah, the guy, yeah, and the guy yeah. jumped and was oh like, "Hey, and they were pretty close. It's not like yeah, there was a yeah. large distance." But still, but, still, you know, he jumped, and the other guy was like, "Get, yeah, get yeah. him! That's bad guy! Get oh him!" And you know, I didn't even think twice. Just whoop! Yeah, he he jumped, so I jumped, and then the, the last kid was like, "Uh, he looked. Oh no, this is too high." Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh and we're like, come God. on, oh, we got to wait for you now and yeah, all yeah. that stuff. Jumped off um, a bungalow one time and <laughs> it, was just, it was just war games we were playing. <laughs> Nobody thought about it. Like, well, what if 
you jumped and no consequences. You did not land properly. No consequences. It was yeah. yeah. No but I never broke a bone. Immortal. I never did, knew all yeah, that. Yeah. So it was. I think I was a young adult for the, uh-huh. for someone in my crew actually broke his bone yeah, from yeah. playing soccer. And I was like, <laughs> oh. Ugh. But yeah, all this stuff we we're doing. Even yeah, when yeah. I got run over by a car, it was an ambulance that ran over me. So. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> so yeah. um, from. Mm-hmm. The, from what Bombay. you've told us yeah. from your your, your childhood, mm-hmm. what do you consider your favorite childhood memory? My oh, I mean, let's let's narrow it down to like an age range. You know, childhood is a broad. Yeah, it's a broad, um, right? Okay. Um, um, should we, should we go? All right, Bombay. Yeah. Oh, my favorite memory in Bombay. Yeah. Uh, my first kiss. Ooh. My first kiss. I was six years old. <laughs> Shouts out to Tina. Uh, I know that I, I haven't I haven't been in contact with her since then, but she was my best friend since we were in kindergarten, and we were inseparable, inseparable. Uh, and we used to live in the same community. We would go to the same kindergarten, and um, we were such good friends that we had to be separated. Mm-hmm. So they put me in section A and put her in section B because we would not pay attention to the teacher at oh, all. We would just sit in the back okay. and chat <laughs> since we were like three, four years old. Even when they put her in section B, she <sighs> cried so much. Uh, they had to let her sit near the door. So we would hold hands. I would be in section A, she would be in section B. Wow. But we were holding hands, you know, Yeah. Uh, uh, in through the wall and... The best friends and in, when she was she was like six, like they moved to a nearby to somewhere nearby, and we went we hadn't seen each other in a while, and oh. we went to her house for a for a housewarming party, mm-hmm. and she was showing me her room, and we crawled under the bed, and we had a uh, she kissed me, <laughs> she kissed me, and I was like I was so scared, <laughs> I you have no idea, uh. every time I kiss someone for the first time, I am still I'm there. I'm taken back to being six years old, mm-hmm. and I become super hyper aware, and that it's that same feeling. I don't understand it. It's the same feeling every time I kiss someone for the first time. I get hyper aware. Uh, had Had you seen people kissing before then? Yeah. Yes. Okay. She definitely had. Well, she, yeah. yeah. I don't know, it's like for, the, for girls, it, it seems yeah. like a whole bunch of yeah, yeah. Them had been yeah. Uh-huh. They were more. They were more. Ad- yeah. I would say more advanced than us. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what she told me when I was like, "Oh my God, what if somebody sees us?" She was like, "Just shut up and kiss me." <laughs> she had seen that in a movie. She had seen that in a movie. I had I had seen it in movies too, but I had no idea how to do it. So I probably was a bad kisser. Hey. But I, you I, know, I think if if there was a videotape of all of us, yeah, back then, I'd, yeah, yeah, because yeah. So the anyway, so I I peaked early in my life. <laughs> you know, I was very successful with women very early on, yeah. um, and so that's definitely my favorite memory. I think about Tina all the time. Shouts out to you, girl, wherever you are. I hope, I hope you're happy, and uh, you know. You can you can you can find me. Just Google me. <laughs> Just Google me. You can, you can reach me. Uh, I've I've never had anyone share um, the the favorite childhood memory being romantic. Uh, so yeah, this is the first thing. Uh-huh. But it, it's no lie. I think my, my I don't think my first <laughs> kiss. Yeah, I think I probably freaked out too. Uh-huh, I, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember who yeah. it was. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it wasn't Funke. Was it Funke? 
It was probably Funke of, of DC. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can't say their last names because yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm still they're probably married now. <laughs> yeah, they're married, have kids, and yeah, uh-huh. about. One of them. The son's probably listening to this. One of them's brothers still listens to the, the elder brothers. Yeah, he he gonna come like, uh, <laughs> hey, 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 what are you trying to do? What you trying to do? I'm like, hey, man, I'm not, no, I'm not declaring it's anything. A memory. Just yeah, it's a memory. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, mm-hmm. we saw it on TV, but I, I don't think mm-hmm. it was expected to happen to us mm-hmm. in person. And then it happened because mm-hmm. uh, I think even when I was 12, mm-hmm. There was one day uh, we had we, we used to have um, assembly every morning mm-hmm, at mm-hmm. school, and they make all the announcements. We did it was a Christian school, so mm-hmm. we did prayers and all that, and mm-hmm, sang mm-hmm. national anthem. Mm-hmm. And after that, we head to our classroom. So we, we the boys usually like to run. I don't know why we just had to run. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. a race to get to class, mm-hmm. and on our way to class, going at full speed, there was a. Um, one of my um, female classmates was coming mm-hmm. from the stairs, coming downstairs, and we we're about to, we we're bolting upstairs, mm-hmm. and I bumped into us. So I was about to bump into us, so I put my hands mm-hmm. in front of me just to prevent from, mm-hmm. you know, from. Uh, I think she was falling, so I was just trying to like catch up. But mm-hmm. I, it was just without thinking, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, stopped her by stopping her mm-hmm. her, her, her breast. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I touched a woman's mm-hmm. breast mm-hmm. before, well, a young girl's, a girl's breast. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the the whole, there was like, I got electrocuted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, oh, I know that feeling, yeah. And I was telling mm-hmm. my, my boy, mm-hmm. and he was like, what, what do you feel like? I was like, uh, I, I, I can't explain it. Mm-hmm. But it was like, I touched shoulder pad. Mm-hmm. One of my aunts or elder sisters shoulder pad, it felt soft like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only thing. Uh-huh, I was like, yeah, "Wow, yeah. you're a lucky guy." Uh-huh. I was like, "How am I lucky?" Uh-huh. She fell into me, and I was trying yeah, to protect yeah. myself. And uh-huh. <laughs> that was, that was, I wasn't trying to, because all I was afraid of was was she going to report me exactly. to a, a teacher, mm-hmm. or did somebody see me, and would they think that I intentionally grabbed her? Mm-hmm, and that was, I was just freaking out. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting down, just waiting to be called, like, <laughs> "Oh, you gonna get flogged?" Mm-hmm. And all that, and no, nobody said anything. And I, I, every time I saw her coming, I would just make a U-turn, go the opposite mm-hmm. direction, take off. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I went to Catholic school too. Oh. As a Hindu. Yeah. And in my neighborhood I had all Muslim friends. So I really, really did not understand religion. I did not understand that there were such a thing as different religions. Mm. I just thought there's just God and there are different ways to pray to it. Yeah. Uh and yeah, so the whole religion stuff like I found out only once I left Bombay. Wow. Yeah, until then I was super confused about the whole religion. I did not know that there were separate religions. Hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what, what was that? Um, what was that experience like for you when you when you found out? Well, when you first experienced that uh, there were different religions? Yeah, it was really weird because I I didn't believe in God, you know, even as a child. You know, like when I was four years old, my one of my uncles who I really loved died. You know, uh, and that was very traumatic to me. And so since then, I completely I became very angry at God. You know, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would like do things like desecration and stuff like that on purpose. Oh wow! You know, like I, was, uh, I so wasn't that bold then. I was like, no, I would get punished for it. I would, okay. yeah, I would get like <laughs> domestic violence for that. You know, for doing stuff, especially Krishna also, Krishna, mm-hmm. Jesus. Oh man! All of them. I was pretty mad at all of them. You know, mm-hmm. and so because like, how dare they let my uncle die? Yeah. 
so i never really believed in god you know even when they would try to make me pray like i would i would go through the process but i never i never ever had religious faith you know my very first experience of religion is like being in a temple being told to close my eyes and pray and like fold my hands and like me thinking like how silly that felt and how like aware of i was of being told what to do with my body and my eyes and what not and how how old were you with uh by then probably like four, four wow four five yeah you sound like my wife uh-huh. she she's another person who at, a, at an early age uh-huh. she was born to a catholic family but uh-huh. they weren't practicing mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. one day she just went up and said nah i ain't going i'm not going to mass mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. i don't feel this i don't feel it and she never went back yeah well that reminds me i have to even ask her about if she feels because she's german so i have to ask yeah, her if yeah. she feels this I, apparently i just learned that if you're german and you stop going yeah, to church yeah. you, there's a paperwork you're supposed to fill out yeah, yeah because they take ten, they take taxes from you yeah i, I just yeah. found that out. i was like whoa uh-huh. that is yeah uh-huh. Man, there's some stuff religion does. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> But enough of that. Let's uh take one more question before we go on a quick break. Uh-huh. So, um as part of your childhood mm-hmm. being over in India, mm-hmm. um um cricket is like another religion there. Mhm. Mhm. Did you get to play cricket or were you into other sports? Um yeah, so we played cricket, you know, but I was never like super serious about it. Okay. uh just for fun always yeah the sport that i really really enjoyed was field hockey oh that's an, yeah that's you guys are good field ho- you're pretty good at that and yeah. the good thing about field hockey is as a young boy everyone's got a stick right ah. so you can beat your friends with it or <laughs> you know so and <laughs> and it's more like this more like <sighs> deftness and i felt like i wasn't very coordinated with uh. soccer and so field hockey allowed me to run around with a stick and hit a ball i mean why not <laughs> everyone's got a stick yeah. i like in cricket there's only one dude with a stick mm-hmm. right in hockey everyone's got a stick that's true so it's pretty fair so a lot of like monkey business so i really liked uh field hockey i played it for like a year seriously in my school so that was my i would say my i also played soccer so those i would i would follow more so i would actually not watch a lot of cricket Oh. You know. Okay. I was never really a big fan of cricket. I thought it was too slow and boring. Yeah. I thought it was like turn-based combat like Pokemon, right? Like the Pokemon video games oh, where I, one I, person attacks that. and the other person <laughs> attacks. Like, oh yes, yes. Yeah. So okay, I was yeah, more interested in more yeah. in like active mm-hmm. sports like mm-hmm. despite how I look. You know. <laughs> and so I like soccer and like field hockey, stuff that you can run around and like fight over. So, you know. when you played soccer, what position did you defense? Play? Defense. Even for hockey, I was playing defense. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, because hockey also has a similar mm-hmm. setup Layout, to yeah. Um, yeah. soccer. Did you have this um, confusion that I had when the, the first time I saw field hockey on American TV? Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, because I think, yeah, for us, I think we just call it hockey. Yeah, we just call it hockey. And then here is where they try to differentiate because mm-hmm. uh, here they call it ice hockey that it's they ice call hockey. hockey. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, when I'm talking about hockey, uh-huh. why? Why? Yeah. I think I was talking to somebody. I think I had just moved to America and I was either in the Navy. Yeah, yeah. And I was telling him, oh, yeah, in the Olympics, I love um, watching hockey, uh-huh. which is field hockey. And mm-hmm. you know, like, no, they don't have that in the Olympics. It's uh, <laughs> Winter Olympics. Yeah, they have. I'm like, what? No. <laughs> 
hockey you know it's on the grass yeah, you know the exactly. india india is you know, very that's the strong. difference between the people yeah. of the sun yeah. and people of the ice yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. So let, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And then when we come back, we shall um, touch on your journey to America. Awesome. Hi, everyone. We've made it two years, and who would have thought so? So let's go for that. And make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six. Who knows? 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American POD pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you will see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content. We have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute in making this podcast better can send questions you can send your ideas and also there's a lot of new things that are coming the announcements are made on patreon first because we have to you know take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company Welcome back, and thank you for staying with us. So, you left uh, mm-hmm. for the United States. Yeah. Um, wait, before we, we even jump on you, jumping, uh, crossing over to the United States, mm-hmm. you already began the entrepreneur, mm-hmm. uh, you began to double into entrepreneurship. Yes. Uh, what inspired you, or, or what got you started in that? Mm, I was very materialistic as a child. Mm. I wanted nice things. I always wanted nice things. We had television at home, so you could see other people having nice things. Yeah. And uh, my parents were not of the belief that you're supposed to give children pocket money. They were loving parents, you know, as much as, you know, whatever, to the best of their abilities, I guess. And so they would get me things. It's not that I never had anything. I would have stuff, stuff that other kids didn't have. Yeah. You know, I knew I was privileged. But they would only get me things that somehow directly led to my development. Oh. So books, they would not even care how much I spend on books. Every single book I wanted, I could get. Okay. Doesn't matter what the topic is, they would not question anything about the book. But I had a computer, you know. But for instance, I never had a video game. I would never be given money <laughs> to basically be like a, a ruinous youth, you know, yeah. <laughs> which I was very, very drawn to, you know. Mm-hmm. I was all about motorcycles, you know. Like I started driving motorcycles. First started learning when I was like 13. Wow. By the time I was 14, 15, I could like go across different neighborhoods and stuff. And when you have a motorcycle, now you can take girls places. Yeah. But the problem is if you take them places, now you got to buy them stuff. Right. And so and for that, you need money and you need money for fuel and stuff like that. And that I could not ask my parents for. Mm. I also felt like I wanted a separation between my life and theirs. They don't need to know everything about my life. Like, you know, and so I really wanted to earn some money. And there was like very few options for me because I really didn't know how to do it at the beginning. It started out with doing simple things like 
I used to look older than the other kids, so doing things like selling cigarettes or alcohol to other children, like being the local school drug dealer, basically. Hey. Um, I would also be. I I used to work for this one guy who had a non-profit, um, and I would I would volunteer. I would sometimes get tipped and paid. So I would I was a courier. I I would move things. I because I had a motorcycle. Oh later yes. on Which I was also his fun. driver yeah. uh-huh. when I started learning how to drive a car so I used to do that for him mm. also uh, there were other things I used to do so when I was like 16 17 I mean I'll be honest yeah I I have sold marijuana you know I have uh, too yeah so. you know uh but I took the money and but I didn't get paid for it but I I did oh, no? I sold marijuana I sold uh Uh, the the person I was mm-hmm. working for, uh, he he said he hadn't broke broken bank yet, so mm-hmm. don't pay. But I did my run. I did. Um, we have a local brew, which is the equivalent of our moonshine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the person who I was helping also very very religious, mm-hmm. and until he found out that his friend next door, you know, we always saw the guy leave at 9 p.m. with two 25 liters. Mm-hmm. We thought it was water. Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. it looks like. And this guy's a small. He has a small frame, small uh-huh. body frame. So the twenty-five liters yeah, yeah. that he was carrying, which was fifty uh-huh. liters literally, oh they look bigger than this dude. And I'm like, <laughs> where does he go every nine p.m.? So one night, yeah. we're able to sneak out of the house, mm-hmm. myself, my cousins, and uh, I was the youngest and the smallest, and we, we followed this guy for like a mile or two, mm-hmm. and he was actually taking it into the red light district mm-hmm. to go sell. Like, mm-hmm. This guy is always talking about the Bible, preaching yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah. We can't even have a regular conversation. Like, hey, did you see this soccer game? According to Ecclesiastes, and like, God, oh damn, we can, just the Bible, the Bible. So yeah, yeah. we didn't think he went to those areas, and that's how we are we accosted him the next day. And he's like, Oh yeah, man, I sell. Yeah. He, would you like to join me? <laughs> What? Yeah, would you like to join me? I, I need help carrying. Oh, I, I can make more, and yeah, yeah. and that's how I introduced us. And yeah, I still yeah. didn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, religious people, man. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't trust them. Dude. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> also, my very first like st- like mm. attempt at making like a startup or something was like when I was like eighteen, nineteen, was um, doing search engine optimization. For U.S.-based businesses, wow. so we would do things like look at their website, consult with them, and then like write articles for them. So I was an editor. Um, so we had thirty writers. So wow. I would do things okay. like distribute topics to people. So we would uh, figure out like what kind of topics we should write about for this website to make sure that anyone using Google can find them more easily. Mm. You know, and so we would, and then so we. How old were you when you were doing that? Eighteen, nineteen. Wow. Yeah. It's because I had a computer at home. Okay. So, you know, uh, the, that was the But way. But still, that, still yeah. there are a lot, lot of uh, lots think, of kids who have computers uh-huh. at home who that that yeah. would be the farthest thing on your mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I had the internet from an early age too. Yeah. So I kind of was able to do all this and I I used someone in the US as my bank. Mm. You know, uh, because I couldn't get I couldn't get charged. I couldn't charge them. Okay. So I used someone here as a bank and they would like send me money. Uh, we made we made after paying all my writers and everything we still made like a profit. Wow! And um, we did that for a couple of years. Of course, all of the money was then subsequently spent, you know, on travel, guitars, 
मोटरसाइकिल कार फोन लैपटॉप बट मेनली 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 ट्रैवल गोइंग टू अदर प्लेसेस होटल रूम You know, you know what it is. Yeah, hey, you treat yourself, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh, and what, what, what I like yeah. the most is that you still took care of the people who worked for you. you know? uh, yeah, you you did that before having your phone. I mean, there's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I respect that. I respect mm-hmm. that because you know, mm-hmm. there are times I've met people who are like, hey, why did you get into? How did you get into entrepreneurship? Why did you do it? And it's always like, oh, you know, I just and they start giving you some. And I, I'm not saying all of them are wrong, but mm-hmm. sometimes you just feel like, hmm, this feels like a re- prepared talking point that you, you yeah, just yeah. had waiting to use. Yeah, but yeah. you know, when you hear something that's organic, you just know, yeah, yeah. you know, okay. right? there's Let nothing me. wrong with wanting to have nice things because yeah, we all want wanted nice things, but not all of us yeah. knew how to do it or go about it. Yeah, yeah. So when you see someone who went about it, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, yes, I, I'm. Where I'm at now, I'm like, yes, get it, yeah. get it, treat yourself. And, But I'll be honest, okay. I also was a little bit of a, I, okay. This is I'm also like a pure-hearted entrepreneur. Eh? That's so the, for instance, like writers mm-hmm. would get paid like one dollar per article, and because of that, there were some writers, you know, who were so productive that they potentially could have earned more than me. Yeah. But I would cap. <laughs> I would put a cap on that. Wow. You know, because I didn't. Because, but that was me being like an asshole for but no you, reason. You, but at a young age, you were yeah. figuring all this out. Yeah, I mean, and I, I felt that it, that would undermine my position as being editor. So yeah, I would artificially cap it, and I would distribute it to other people. You know, mm. but there were some people who had the potential to earn more money who I forcibly kept down on purpose. So that I'm just saying, I wasn't a pure-hearted. <laughs> no, no. And there was a little bit of that too, and um, I also did some other shady stuff. Like I sometimes would. There was another guy who used to do this, and he used to outsource the article writing to me. Okay. And then I, like, figured out like who he was. Getting work from and went over him and undercut him. So I used to do things like that too. I'm just saying, you know, I was even with the marijuana business and stuff. Yeah. We used to bribe people to able be able to sell in nightclubs and stuff like well, that. Well, you if know? you if you're into marijuana business and mm. you're in places like India, Nigeria, yeah, yeah. You, you you're not bribing somebody. I don't yeah, think you yeah, you really exactly. those businesses. And, and some, yeah. <laughs> so I did do some of that stuff too. But anyway, all of that money, yeah, I then spent on. um applications for us universities mm. you know it's 200 dollars per application and so it adds up yeah, it, it does um, add up and 200 dollars is not it's not a small piece and of change green card in john green card what do you call it visa application mm-hmm. um doing things like whatever like you know um GRE and TOEFL paying for all of that so I oh so you all had, the you money had, you had to that take those too. I had to take all of those things okay. to come here and so all of the money that I made as an entrepreneur in India I I, I gave it back to the US government hey. <laughs> Uncle Sam made it, you know it comes around <laughs> yeah so um when you made your choice to come to United States uh-huh. did you um have Is there a possibility that, like mm-hmm. you could have ended 
mm-hmm. in a different mm-hmm. city from New York area that you came to? Yeah. So what were your options? Yeah. So I when I was after my undergrad, I decided to apply for a few universities for my master's degree. Mm-hmm. Um, my options were where my parents wanted me to go was Singapore. Oh. Because it's two and a half hours away, and so they could visit me. Okay. And I or I could visit, but I did not want that. Yeah. You know, I also applied and got into a University of Bocconi in Milan. Oh, okay. So that was an option for me. I got into University of Southern California, Long Beach, but oh. I did not get a scholarship. Okay. And then I got into the NYU Engineering School in Brooklyn as well, and a few other universities like Case Western. But the NYU was the one that I had the most amount of scholarship for, and so that's the one I selected. Plus, it was in Brooklyn. I always also Brooklyn. was on my list of places i wanted to live in my life you know Why? along with to- brooklyn yeah because i loved hip hop <laughs> that simple i i loved hip hop i loved music art i wanted to be a hipster you know i wanted to have that lifestyle okay when i was when i was 20 years old you know that that kind of like indie mm-hmm. lifestyle i thought was attractive uh and i wanted to be in brooklyn hey. i wanted to be in brooklyn i wanted to be in the where biggie was from brooklyn is know. the place man yeah. brooklyn is the place so um do you remember your flight mm. to united states and was was that your first flight outside of india no so i had already been to france and singapore and all over like southeast asia and stuff okay. like that um my parents used to live in france my dad used to live in jersey actually in newark in, okay. in new jersey but i never visited him there Uh no but when I first came to the US it was the first time I was flying to a foreign country alone oh. I think I have flown to France alone but there it was different kind of immigration process Okay um but here in the US was the first time I landed you know and I was at JFK terminal 4 and I saw that I'm sure you've seen that line to get in Yeah uh that line was cra- I was I was like just crazy It was crazy, and the guy, the USA, what the Department of Homeland Security officer there was scary. Oh. He had way too many questions that I was not prepared to answer. He's like, "Why are you here? What do you mean? Why am I here? It's on the paperwork, you know." And he's like, "No, no, no. Why are you here?" I'm like, "Then I'd like explain to him that I was there to study and you know stuff like that and like." It was really scary uh, experience getting through that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and still I get like PTSD from going through the immigration line at JFK Terminal Four. You know, I don't know what it is about that particular terminal. Also, it's, it's I think it's the design. It's kind of like a big open hall, and so oh. everything is visible. People's fear is you oh, can smell it. I think I know the terminal yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Terminal Four. Yeah. Um, you know mm-hmm. all all the airlines from the middle east and stuff lands there so yeah that's where we, that's what we take and so that's a really scary design for a room it's a big open hall where judgment is passed on you But right that, that's, that's, <laughs> and you have to a, wait in line to that's receive a good your analogy judgment there. it's just yeah that, it's that's really what they, they are they're literally passing judgment yeah, on, on you. you and yeah. so far, but anyway we got through I, i i didn't travel exactly alone i came with some couple of other people who were coming to the same university okay. you know we met and we decided to fly together um but yeah I mean, we all met on the other side mm. and for the first time we were on us soil um it was august 
Oh, August 15th. So, you know. Yeah, the weather was uh weather was nice, yeah. not too bad and uh I remember going on the A train right from the after the airplane and on the A train I saw the graffiti, you know, A train in Queens mm-hmm. it, it's it's above ground and then it enters underground in Brooklyn. Yeah. And that during the transition, you know, you see a lot of graffiti and stuff and I felt at home. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I was like oh so New York is exactly like Paris or India or like any other part of the world. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said mm-hmm. uh what did you have a moment mm-hmm. after that that was your welcome to America moment as in a culture shock or something that you know a, a surprise or something that stood out to does that still stands out to you? right after you arrived in the states mm, one of the okay i i really still I'm not very fully clear on what exactly is american culture and so on i still consider myself part of like new york and brooklyn you know mm-hmm. so i can i talk talked about my first like new york moment yeah is when i tried to enter again i don't know why it's the a train my whole life used to revolve around the a train <laughs> but i tried to get into the a train before the people got out oh and a guy told me he said get the fuck back <laughs> I, and i was like i've almost been that guy to be honest and i was that like be off <laughs> And I was like, damn, he, to- he got me, he got me, he's right, you know, <laughs> I should get the fuck back. And then, then I, was, I was like, that was my moment, I was like, wow, so people here have rules, mm-hmm. people follow the rules here, you know, unlike in India where it's like, there are no rules, it's might makes right, you know. Everybody for, yeah. for yourself. Yeah, and so there are rules yeah. and people were confident enforced to uh, to enough to enforce it themselves right yeah yeah so i thought i was like good you know and, I, and that i it, it was like it was inspiring to me i have also done that a lot <laughs> you know been like confidently telling people uh. what to do and the right thing to do you know that was like shocking nobody has ever told me no stranger had ever told me to do the right thing in that tone ever in my life you know yeah and so he he did and so he taught me a lesson but he also taught me the culture of 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 brooklyn of brooklyn yeah. but that that that's the beauty thing is that yeah. you knew you were wrong there oh 100% and, i was you know, that, that that's why it it it's, I, it, it I lands was, yeah. it lands beautifully because yes. no matter how you're feeling when someone does that I was that mad to you, at him but i was like, mad at myself yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I did i, I was like yeah I, I, he got me he got me <laughs> he was right i was an asshole yeah uh, you know you know what's crazy i haven't been on the a train since uh-huh. The pandemic. Uh-huh. Yeah, I haven't. Neither. I just I just re- recall that. I've been on the R. I've been, I've on, been the on the C. Never the A. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've not been on the A. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. Wow. A train, man. Craziest train of all time. I thought it was the F train that was the craziest. Because all my buddies who are from Brooklyn. And no way. They have crazy stories no about the F way. train. No way. Where does the F go? Where does the F go? Uh, Park is... Slope. <laughs> uh, Coney Island. No way. Yeah. A train, dude. A train. Euclid Avenue. We're talking about Broadway Junction. Mm-hmm. After 2 a.m. Yeah. You have your ba- they sell alcohol on the train. On the A train, nutcrackers, 
Yeah, I'm, you know I'm been on, uh, on, on the A train that late. So yeah, yeah. I've I think seen I fights. Got, yeah, I've seen I've fights. Seen stabbings uh, on, on the A train. train. I, I've seen on the N train too. I've seen. Uh, A train goes through East New York, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. okay say no <laughs> more. Say no more. Say no more. You're right. You're right. Say no more. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. yeah. See, it's been a while. I've been yeah, on yeah, A train. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um. How was your college experience uh, being at NYU? Mm. What, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, you know, I, I really liked it. I think I kind of like thrived at NYU. For the first time, I felt like I was in a kind of environment that was very like supportive. Mm. You know, a lot of criticisms about NYU, but I cannot criticize the people there. You know, the people are good. There are caring professors. Yeah, There's the professor... Who really she saw the potential in me in my first week she hired me in like wow. like in an interview like in 30 minutes just we were talking and then she's like yeah and i worked with her for five years after that wow. you know uh so i found really some people i found a community of people that i really fit in with and and it was like very intellectually stimulating and um and there are a lot of resources that it gives you to support you That's good to do the things that you want to do and build the things you want to build and so you know it's a really a privilege to be able to get paid to think mm-hmm. to read write and speak yeah uh because those are my only skills that's it the toefl is the only <laughs> thing that really has measured my capabilities you know and uh i feel like being able to do that in an environment that supportive is pretty good so i i would say uh, i like the people there even today yeah. i still i still teach there yeah I'm, and the I'm reason not, i teach there is because i love the students and more importantly i love the people in the department you know they're all like weird mm-hmm. uh nerds but <laughs> they uh, they have my respect and also my love so uh, yeah i was going to come to you teaching mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, before i get to that um Yeah, I think this podcast now we've had how many people from NYU, mm-hmm. and it's not like I planned it. But I mean, um, no, that's it's the city, dude. That's the city. <laughs> they are they have the monopoly. <laughs> They're like the sugar and cement guys from Nigeria. <laughs> I had um, what's it? Um, yeah, uh, Brian who teaches at NYU now. Yeah, Brian, a, a good friend of the podcast, and and me and uh, my family too. And yeah, we we're waiting for his part two mm-hmm. so we can. Debate about Jollof. Oh, we're actually Ghana and Nigeria facing each other next month mm-hmm. for World Cup qualifier. Maybe I should get <laughs> Brian for that. And uh, um, the first person was Abra- no, well, second person was Abraham Ampa, who's an actor. Mm-hmm. So he went to the um, what's the school called over at NYU? For- Steinhardt Tisch. Yeah, Tisch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the School of Arts. Mm-hmm. And um, um, my, my Ukrainian brother uh, Vadim, also NYU. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I probably have a couple who I've missed, mm-hmm. who I may not have noticed for NYU. So yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, you know. And funny thing is that if I wasn't in the wrong mental space when I grabbed the Navy, probably mm-hmm. I would have gone to NYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been one of the places I would have gone to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, for someone who had who has always had that independent spirit right yeah. from childhood, yeah, how do you now go from You know, how do you go from utilizing that independent spirit into teaching? Uh-huh. How, how's that work? Because I, I, you know, like for me, I've had lots, lots of people who yeah. are educators in my family, uh-huh. and it just seemed like they were constrained uh-huh. by educating 
and I think that also uh-huh. speaks to yeah, yeah, yeah. being an educator in a, in a, colonia- in a yes. colonized system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, being here has the advantage of being somewhere like United States mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, New York in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how 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 has that been going? Yeah, you? you know, I do I do try to like bring in my distrust of institutions into mm. my teaching by adopting critical perspectives as well you know so my classes they are not purely functional yeah they are not purely about giving students tools to become better employees mm. i i tell my students all the time like sure you know yeah you this is an investment and it for your career and blah 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 but it's not my job to make you a good employee i i don't give i don't care about what corporation you go work for after this i don't really care I'm not here going to teach you how to be a good employee that's your job you figure that out I'm not here to teach you that so I don't teach I give them some tools and methods and stuff like that what I'm here to teach is perspectives I'm teaching them how to think okay what are the different options they have right in order to think and so in order to do that I give them some interpretive you know perspectives or uh, different ways to interpret it just different views but specifically i also give them a critical perspective like i make them question existing power structures things that they have taken for granted things like how technology design can reinforce uh, cultural and social values mm. um how like corporation uh, corporate policies can do the same thing how can regulations do those things as well okay. specifically my focus is on technology uh, and mostly for for profit businesses because that's the neoliberal education system you know yeah. here it exists here also we are colonized except yep. here we are colonizing ourselves um but within that system i try to give them like critical thinking approaches to so, so i make it very explicit i tell them we are going to take some marxist perspectives feminist perspectives post colonial perspectives in analyzing technology as well what if some okay going by the way some people Mm-hmm. uh in the political space right now mm-hmm. who are threatened by education mm-hmm. anything in education that they don't like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh wouldn't they look at what you're doing and refer to that as chaos not necessarily you know like i also tell them like how these methods can actually be used to create actual impact you know mm-hmm. even critical perspectives they do have functional value you know uh, not all critical methods you know lead to solutions being things like changing culture and like i say chaos and anarchy and stuff like that yeah you know you can actually use critical methods to design technology better mm-hmm. to make it more valuable and impactful you can actually use it to develop regulations you know where you can check the power of corporations and give power to people you know and so that appeals to those who are authoritarian it appeals to those who are libertarian it appeals to populists anarchists communists like really who is going to disagree with that mm, you know <laughs> i know people <laughs> uh have you have you had some of them i've i've had a lot of them and they're like uh that he he loves saying critical right now it, i think he might be a critical race theorist is critical race theorist it's critical race theorist critical race theorist right there yeah. we need to ban him ban him <laughs> ban any book that he's just, Yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that comes from him <laughs> i haven't i haven't really i don't know you know 
they may be maybe uh, i would love to talk to a person like that actually uh, yeah, i i i pray i pray for a student to like say stand up and like say anything against me you know yeah because i'm hoping at least then they would engage in the class at least a little bit but i'm always open to talking to people who disagree with me i think that i would have a good time with them and maybe we could find things that we agree on for sure all right mm-hmm. so um you know i could continue this conversation forever mm-hmm. but um, i have to start bringing this home yeah. so let me see i have loads of questions yeah yeah let's try to get through let's right, do like let's... a lightning round <laughs> <laughs> I, i want what well, there's one more that i have that i i uh-huh. um i don't know if i want to do a lightning round with that yeah, one sure sure um actually there's two but uh <laughs> okay the first one do you have a love story that you like to share with us a love story yeah oh yeah of course okay i'm yeah. married right now yeah um, that's where i was going except you had a secret family then <laughs> like, oh. you had it here i first. do have a secret family. <laughs> uh, my wife bertha and i we met at nyu we were in the same department oh. working on different fields of research okay started out as friends uh which then escalated as we spend more time with each other and, um <laughs> <So> escalated <laughs> it's uh loving someone from south america has a lot of advantages and disadvantages Ooh, tell me uh <laughs> you know they are passionate people yes they're not the best planners and executors <laughs> you know what it is I, i realize it's not them you know south americans exist outside of the history continuum hmm. because their culture was completely destroyed and recreated that's true their sense of time is like the like ch- people from china also i feel are like that a lot of colonized places yeah like that. they exist completely outside of time and so they have very little historical perspective they really are living in the moment Mm. which i admire a lot i wish i could do that you know like indians believe themselves to be in the middle of a 14000 year continuum oh, right okay. where like, that's why like the way we think is like super long term oh. but ecuadorians man they are living for saturday night hey. and i 100% i'm on their side with that and i, I need, love I them move, for I'm, it, I'm, you I'm, know I need to yeah maybe that's where I think, <laughs> you know and uh, but at the same time there are challenges right and the main challenges is immigration mm. our lo- you know our love itself our desire to be together is what has been driving so many of our choices yeah and at the same time our enemy has been U- department of homeland security USCIS Donald Trump not even Donald Trump what's that guy like Stephen Miller and the, oh. what's the son what uh, Donald Trump's son-in-law's name um, Kushner Kushner yeah those Garrett, two guys Garrett Stephen Kushner. Miller and Jared Kushner really really fucked with us oh. he really fucked with us that bastard uh, both of them uh, and really those kind of things have an impact yeah. you know on on people's lives uh, so the US government has been like been pretty challenging to deal with for us um and other things too like the us government and other forms like access to healthcare and stuff like that mm-hmm. um it's been pretty challenging we have been together since 2013 had a lot of challenge we have traveled all over the world together nice. you know um we have lived together in brooklyn in bedstuy beautiful five years we spent together there um 
right next to Herbert Von King Park. That's our park. You know, we have our <laughs> bench there. Uh, and so we're really like a Brooklyn couple, I think. You know, yeah. just yeah. another Brooklyn cup, mixed race couple. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one. And uh, you know, it's strange. I tell people like, if you put a pin through my city. in india through the center of the world and you come through the other side you are somewhere near ecuador oh yeah and uh, hey, i found it that. interesting that i found someone all over the and you know like since then yeah we've been married and now we have a green card and so we have more stability and so now we're able to do other things like should we buy a house like should we move oh. to madrid in 5 years stuff like that now we can plan okay before that our love was kind of like existed in the moment Wow. you know and kind of like outside of time but also outside of space because mm. you don't know is this are we going to be here are we going to be somewhere else mm-hmm. i can't come to your country you can't come to mine we both can't be in this country uh-huh. if we get separated what do we do meet 5 years somewhere in italy or something like you know so that kind of stuff was always you know it still still creates anxiety it does yeah yeah, yeah um, my last interview was with someone who lost her parents when mm-hmm. she was 15 mm-hmm. and um, you know parents had not officially secured her paperwork so mm. she ended up being a stateless oh citizen my, yeah that's and she had left country of birth by since she was age 4 and around age 21 yeah. um, US CIS mm-hmm. uh, ICE people show up at yeah. her college like yeah we're here for you and it's yeah. like yeah because you're not a citizen like you know she went to apply for student loans mm-hmm. and that's when it triggered oh the alarm yeah and yeah there's so there's so many you know it's more popular to just show people at the southern border which mm-hmm. isn't uh which is a thing mm-hmm. but like the other day i was even i even recommended on uh, one of my uh previous episodes um uh, a podcast i listened to um I forgot I'm trying to recall the title but it was from Native Americans mm-hmm. uh the host of the podcast and mm-hmm. they were talking about immigration the border mm-hmm. and how their voices are never heard when mm-hmm. those discussions come mm-hmm. up because a lot of the people who are crossing are also indigenous people of course and it's literally their cousins that's yes. how they describe them and they said so it's the, the it's human it's, migration it's human it's there's nothing illegal about of them course. because you chase them away yeah the borders existed you know, after yeah it, they were they, you chase them in the first place and then yeah. now that their place of their current place of residence yeah. is destabilized uh-huh. they have a right to come back to and their original yes. homes 100% and i was like you know what I've, i don't hear this point of view uh-huh. i don't i've never heard it yes. it's always just you know oh it's only hispanic people that are the borders and one day i found out that there's a whole bunch of africans Yeah. at the border and I'm like wait if the Africans there there's a whole bunch of people and then I'll go to a pub and then I'll meet an Irish mm-hmm. uh, bartender who's mm-hmm. like hey man I, I don't have papers and mm-hmm. I'm like wait what and then I understand why when uh Trump as soon as Trump started doing his rhetoric the, the Irish prime minister came over and signed it, a treaty with Trump that mm-hmm. said you won't he wouldn't deport Irish, Irish people. Uh, people who didn't not have papers uh-huh. and I got to understand what was in play there mm-hmm. and I was mm-hmm. like wow but that wasn't big it wasn't a big talking point yeah, yeah. I'm like there's so many um uh, people there's someone who was actually going to bring on the podcast and mm-hmm. I saw a post that he made on Instagram but um he was mad that uh, black lives matter supported Im- immigration mm-hmm. uh, immigrants and mm-hmm. he was like well, black people don't we we're not at the border we don't we don't migrate here mm-hmm. we don't 
come through the border. And I was like, mm-hmm. how can you say that? You're from Barbados. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he didn't get the point. And he, he, I was like, you know what? I'm glad I saw this post because I can't bring you here because you're just not going to make sense. You're not. Yeah. It's going to look like, except if oh, I want yeah. to bring you here to fight. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I'm not yeah, about yeah. that. So oh, yeah. uh, there, every, there are lots of stories uh-huh. that need to be heard. There are mm-hmm. um, a lot that we don't know about when it comes to immigration. Yeah, fuck borders. Oh, man, fuck that guy. Yeah. And we, we just only look at it, if you look at it from only a black and white perspective, uh-huh. you, nothing, nothing will ever be done. But yeah. that's why I try to bring as many voices mm-hmm. as possible to share um, their stories and um, yeah, give us an insight into what we are missing and hopefully people will be encouraged mm-hmm. to go take the research further mm-hmm. than where where they're currently at. Yeah. So, um, man, yeah, yeah man. you got that, there are lots of things I need to talk to you about. <laughs> so we gotta bring you back again. So <laughs> oh, I am hundred uh, percent. Before we uh, we officially hit the end, mm-hmm. there's two questions that I gotta ask you. Mm-hmm. So, one, mm-hmm. you've done a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. You're a Brooklyn Knight. Mm-hmm. When it comes to food, mm-hmm. where's your loyalty, man? What's the cuisine that's you know number one for you right now? That you, your go-to cuisine right now? Mm-hmm. You gotta betray somebody because one community gonna come after you. So this is a controversial question. Chinese. What? That was I wasn't expecting that. Chinese. Hundred <laughs> percent. In Brooklyn, anywhere yeah. in the world, wherever I am, I love Chinese cuisine. Wow. Chinese cuisine, man. Flushing. Yeah. That's my jam right there. Yeah, um, yeah, I haven't been there too in a while. Happy, yeah. It's, I love uh, Grandma's Dumpling in uh, not Flushing Mall, the other mall, but it's pretty good. I love mm. Chinese food. I love, I love Chinese, Chinese people. I, 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 I love every Chinese friends. Both the Americanized Chinese food and the authentic Chinese food. So even I don't like the American <laughs> Chinese food, but I know some places which are like your typical American Chinese fast food. But mm-hmm. if you ask them nicely, yeah. and maybe if you buy them some Szechuan peppers, they can make you some pretty good authentic stuff too. So mm. that's what I used to do with my my. Yeah, I've, my I have to ask my, my Chinese auntie. I have a Chinese auntie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right from my very first weekend. Uh-huh. In Brooklyn, um, I've been eating at her place almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she knows me. She before I had before we had my daughter. Mm-hmm. She 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 she's seen my daughter after my mm-hmm. daughter was born. Mm-hmm. Like, so yeah, so like I, I just show up. She's like, Greg, you want your usual? Mm-hmm. All right, any other person ask for, it. but me, she knows my usual. So. Chinese food always treated me well. They have vegan options. Mm-hmm. And they can make it spicy. They whatever you know. I, I just I, I guess that's yeah. I know it's weird, but I'm a no, vegan. No, it's not weird. So I, I, Chinese food for me, hundred percent. They know how to treat a vegetable properly. Actually, the they first the vegetables. first vegan I had on this podcast was um, she's someone born in China. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, from southern China. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, but she became a vegan while love, school. Love yeah. Chinese food. I missed <laughs> it so much in Ecuador. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so. Second to the last question. Mm-hmm. Also similar to the last one, you know, yeah, you yeah. travel, you've been around uh-huh. places uh-huh. in the world, and you've already alluded to a son of Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, who you know he relates to this question. Yeah. So everybody who's been on this podcast, yeah. we consider you a dancer. Uh-huh. You have no choice. If you say you can't dance, we tell you get up and get out now. <laughs> Stop recording. Get out. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we need you to dance for one hour. Don't worry. There's not. There's not going to be a video <laughs> recording. Uh huh. Uh-huh. We need you to dance for one hour. Yeah. We need you to drop three artists uh-huh. that can keep you dancing for one hour. Yeah. At least an hour. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't give us the most popular names. Yeah. Yeah. So hit us with three artists who can make me dance. Yeah. And okay, you, I got three know, names. You can give us names. one from your wife's area. That's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. Or you want okay. to give us from one Chennai. From, one from my area. You know, yeah, that, I got that's you. That's fine. But all right, all right. I, I'll throw out three names right now. Okay. Um, from Colombia. Oh. Octavio Mesa. Octavio. Octavio Mesa. 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 He's a Antiochian uh, Andean singer. He, okay. He passed away a few years ago, but. Um, he makes uh, parandero music. Oh, parandero. So it's music for uh, ruffians and thugs who live in the mountains with machetes. Oh, that's serious. And they serious. grow cocaine, and <laughs> they don't care about the government or institutions. Okay, they're, they're really anarchist music, but the music is amazing. Love it. It's very, it out. it's very nice. It's very like upbeat. Yeah. And but there's a lot of like double meanings and like mm. curse words in it. Okay. So that that would be Octavio Mesa, you know, he's number one for me, right? right. Um, also from Sri Lanka, MIA. Oh, MIA. Yeah, MIA, the rapper, the first musical act I saw in Brooklyn. Also, first time I saw her. Yeah, hey, She she still Hi. makes music. She no, she retired. Oh. Yeah, my heart broke when she yeah, did yeah, that. Yeah, that's sad. That's sad. Yeah, she can, but but well, she's as, a, as far as she's, she's happy, a billionaire. Yeah, and she's mm. still an artist. Always, I lo- I'm in love. Yeah, I, I was in my, love with uh, that bad age. girl's video. I used to think she was Arabic when I because yeah. I was in the Middle East uh-huh. and they played that song all the time. Oh yeah, bad yeah, girls she's, do it well. She's Tamil. Wow, she's Tamil. Yeah, she uses a lot of Tamil music in her songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Earlier, that makes sense. Now that makes sense. Tamil now. film music. So I really, really love her. Uh, third, I'm going to go. Um, well, this is tough. I'm okay, gonna, you can give us one from Brooklyn. Okay. I'm. Oh, I'm to betray Brooklyn right now, and I'm going to go to Cambodia. Oh, okay. And uh, Pan Ron. Pan Ron. Pan Ron from Cambodia. How you spell that? P A N R O N. I think. Pan Ron. Okay. She died during the Khmer Rouge, so she di- she kind of disappeared in 1976. So oh, that was some old school music. She, yeah, so they never found her after that. Oh, Apparently, she and many other people who were bringing Western culture oh, into Cambodia were murdered yeah. during the Khmer Rouge, but she made a lot of very beautiful music, some of which still survives today. Like she has got, right. like, I think there are 12 songs. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, I'm in, yeah. I guess like maybe like I also my wife is really mad at me because she's like, why are you always in love with unavailable women? <laughs> 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 in addition to me, right? Hey. Like always yeah. like de- like a dead woman from Cambodia. Yeah, your, your your wife asks the question up front. My mind just laughs at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tell her like, yes. What yeah, was yeah. I talking about yesterday? And I said, Charlie Theron and uh-huh, myself uh-huh, have a thing uh-huh. going on, but she just doesn't know yeah, about yeah. it yet. But you know, but we, I, okay, I'm gonna like break your question a bit, and I'm gonna, I am going to give you someone from Brooklyn also. Hey, go I'm ahead, we'll make it like, um, Just that her name is Alex Mali. Alex Mali. Alex Mali. Okay, that's a that's a small name. She's got like an album out there. She's a beautiful singer. Okay. Sings so well. You know, I was gonna say like Bobby Schmurder or Sheck West or something, but. I think Alex Marley deserves a shout out. She's a very talented um, singer. 
And I do check out all the um, recommendations yes. from all my guests. And that's yeah, how yeah. my music playlist keeps uh-huh. growing and yeah, growing. Because, yeah. yeah, I'm like, wow, okay, I'm music. feeling this music. I'm yeah, feeling yeah. it. Yeah. I play. I play acoustic guitar. Oh, I used cool. to be in a band. Oh, man. Um, All right. So okay, okay. Save that for part two. Okay. We, we, we got to do part Man, this guy uh, saved. You had some good juice I, like that. You, you mentioned that from the beginning. I did say I did say I spent all my, my money that I made for marijuana on guitars, right? Well, that's true. That's true. Yes, you, you, you said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So thank you for giving me your time today. Thank you. And uh, final question. Mm-hmm. What would you like to leave the audience with? You know, could be... From your mantra, could be a favorite quote, could be, mm. you know, from one of, one of your rappers or one of your <laughs> artists. <laughs> hey, freestyle. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to like flip on you a little bit over here. And I'm okay. going to like tell you something that um, there is a, or I guess there was uh, a French philosopher called Bernard Stegler, who in the 70s Another was a name. bank robber. Mm-hmm. And he went to prison for robbing banks, you know. And then he became a philosopher in prison. Like many other philosophers throughout <laughs> history. You know, like something about prison really makes a man want to read some books. <laughs> you know. And one of the things that he says, he's trying to like bring together different ideas. And he's like, you know, he says like people have this sense of feeling out of place and out of time and that's not their fault however the only way to get over that feeling of alienation and isolation is through is to reach out to another person have some sort of material connection to somebody it doesn't matter who even if you're serving a community even if you have to wash the feet of the poor and homeless at least you get to have human contact you know uh, and that kind of like releases some sort of like he calls it like libidinal energy yeah. um, in human beings that, that makes us feel human and in fact be human. Uh, and so I highly recommend everybody. Uh, my recommendation is just like it's just touch someone with their consent mm. as much as possible. You know, really, that's the only true gift that makes us feel alive. You know, I'm very privileged like that you know especially like all over the world anywhere i go i have someone to hold yeah uh, but there are people who have no one that's true and uh, i highly recommend that's what we need to do is find out, like find out how do we break down the barriers for human literally human physical contact especially during a time when there is a pandemic that forces us to be six feet apart and covered up and masked up and stuff like that. And we are looking at each other as biological agents of destruction and institutions and governments and the media tells us how to behave. I just say, you know, yeah, but what really makes us human oh. is this ability to, to, to be in contact with each other. So find a way to do that, you know. Don't forget, don't, you, you deserve it. Yeah. Everyone deserves uh-huh. That's true. Yeah. All right. So, thank you again for that beautiful um, words of inspiration. Um, I didn't do a question where I, I normally ask about uh, your company and um, yeah, your we'll come business. back to that in part two. But um, for a plug, you, you still have to do a plugging. I still have to do give a us plug. a plugging. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Check out riceproducts.co. Uh, that's my website. That's uh, for our company. Uh, it, it, it explains what we do and blah, blah, blah. 
do that also check out the upcycle food association if you are making any food um with like upcycled ingredients or you are interested in sustainability in general also i don't know hit me up i guess on twitter uh, at uh, ashwin gopir and let me know if you want like access to like lectures and stuff like that like i have a lot of resources that i have as being part of a university that i can give people too you know right. uh, so hit me up if you want like a free free subscription to a journal or something hey <laughs> yeah people you hear that man take yeah, advantage yeah. of that yeah yeah all right so um everyone listening thank you for giving us your time too um don't forget to go on white label american www.whitelabelamerican.com hit the subscribe button hey, if you want to donate we accept uh, coffee donations you can get a membership there or you join us on patreon where we have bonus yeah. content pay this man a lot of bonus content mm-hmm. hidden stuff there you won't get it anywhere so yes join us keep the support coming in go to our merch store buy merch you supporting a veteran you supporting black owned businesses it's, i'm not the owner of the merch store but you know you supporting all of us and we want to expand this team so we can bring more good stuff to you so thank you thank you thank you for the privilege of your company thanks for listening to white label american if you enjoy the show we'll appreciate if you rate review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from if you have any questions comments or have someone who will be a good guest on the show or you want to be on the show send us a message at whitelabelamerican@gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at whitelabelamerican thank you for your support <laughs>